stand at the cross, number 55. Everybody joining in. I don't like doing a solo on a hymn. <laughs> number 55, here we go. Alas, I did my
Thank you. You may be seated.
shake hands with one another. We've got one of our couples from the north of Michigan going to be this is their last service this Sunday. So come shake hands with them. Tell them goodbye. way we have a young lady to be baptized this morning. Source of my song. 
Is it on yet? There we go. <laughs> I feel like that commercial where the guys, am I on yet or am I, can you hear me? Can you hear me yet? Uh, I don't know why this microphone here seems like it's always dead when we first get up here. If you're visiting with us this morning, would you raise your hand please and hold up for just a moment. Our usher will come to you with a visitor's card and a pen. We'd appreciate if you'd fill the card out and drop it in the offering plate when the offering's taken. Have a young lady right back here, and uh, some folks over here, Brother Puckett, right down front here, and uh, we're glad to have you all with us today. Just fill out the card, if you will, and drop it in the offering plate when the offering's taken. You may keep the pen as a gift of our church, right over here. We'd like for all of the uh, all of the ladies that help out in our nursery, all the nursery workers, if you would meet with us. This coming Thursday at 6.30 p.m., meet back in the fellowship hall. We will be providing a meal for you, so, so you'll get the night off as far as having to fix, fix a meal. But um, this is not for the husband. This is just for the ladies, the uh, ladies that work in our nursery. And we do want you to know we appreciate you, the work that you do behind the scenes. I know you don't get much recognition at all. And, um, and, it's, and it's not not always the most pleasant job, but uh, we appreciate you so much, and uh, we want to show, show you that we do appreciate you by, you know, we'll give you a hot dog or something, you know, something to kind of show that. Um, so that'll be at 6.30 this, this uh, coming Thursday at, at uh, 6.30. But also, um, the new devotionals are out. There are some uh, in front and also back here on this vestibule on the table. You need to pick up your copy of those of it. Use the devotional. Also, those that are following our Bible reading schedule, your new schedule, on, on also on both the tables. And um, this will be for the uh, month of March. And I, I think, let's see, that's all I see on there is just March. So uh, anyway, pick up, pick up your um, Bible reading schedule. Then also these uh, Revival Fires magazines these are free. So if you are interested in reading sermons, then uh, pick them up as long as they last and won't charge you a thing for it. All right, uh, Brother Bill. And if God is going to sing another song, sing it a little slower, okay? I can't listen that fast. <laughs> All right, if you will, let's get a songbook and turn to number 46. Number 46, When I See the Blood. For 
number of folks that are traveling so pray for their safety and also a number of folks that are out sick as you can tell we've got a lot of empty places this morning remember them prayer brother Micah is out sick so remember him in prayer and uh, we do this in Sunday school I'll go ahead and do it out here too since um, we do have a lot of folks and a lot of family members that are uh, sick right now so if you have an unspoken request raise your hand all right, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Brother Puckett, would you lead us? Amen.
But these stains won't let me yet. How I love not to recall the times I've slipped, but then I'd end up falling back into what might have been if it had not been for sin. My memory sees just what I was, but love is blind, and because of his
Turn your Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. You could tell when you got to, to the scripture because of the turning of the pages, but now that you're using phones instead of Bibles, <laughs> I can't hear that. Second Corinthians chapter 6, we'll be looking at verses 1 and 2. We're living in times that we're we're right on the precipice of the great tribulation. <clears throat> Many of the things that um, the Bible prophesies that will be taking place during the tribulation period, we're already seeing the beginnings of that. So that makes us know that we're close, very close to the tribulation period. I, I don't uh, watch the news much anymore because I don't trust it. Uh, the news media has been taken over by liberals, 90% of the news media now, and the entertainment media, and the sports media has been taken over by radical liberals. And it used to be, I can remember when I was a kid, that uh, if, if people were talking about said, well, you know, this, you know, this is uh, happening or going to happen or whatever, and they say, well, how do you know that? Well, because it was in the paper. And if it was in the paper, you could trust it. You knew that it was true. That's not true anymore. In fact, if it's in the paper, you probably need not trust it because all newspapers have become opinion pieces. They're not, it's not news anymore. Uh, when it's given, it's given with the twist that, that they wanted to have, and they don't give you the real real story. But um, not to... Not to uh, discourage you or depress you or anything but but the world's in a mess right now it is in a real mess and uh one of one of the uh, one, i do watch some newscasts um but but for the most of the the mainstream media anyway most of it is corrupt and rotten uh but I saw there was a couple of guys, they were interviewing a uh, general in the, uh, one of the uh, military uh, services. And, and uh, he, he was talking about the, the danger that the world's in right now because there's a madman in Russia that's in control of a, a, a nuclear arsenal that could destroy the entire earth. And, uh, and you have to realize that Putin is not an ordinary person. He's, he's a madman, and what he's doing is, is wicked and evil, and, and uh, he, he doesn't seem to care who he kills or anything as long as he can have more power. He's wanting more power. But, um, but I, you know, in thinking about all this and the things in our, you know, our whole, everything that uh, about our world, our society and all that, it's, it's very precarious right now. And um, so we have, you know, a lot of a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear today, and um, 
but it 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 just makes me realize, you know, I think all preachers when they preach, they 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 preach with a sense of urgency. But uh, even today, even more, it's even more urgent that we get the message across, the message of salvation. You've uh, you've probably read phrases, heard things like, you know, when a preacher he's to preach as a dying man to dying men, and how true that is. And um, also to preach as if many in the audience will never hear you again. And I'm always aware of that. In fact, sometimes I'll make the statement that this same group right here, this same audience right now will never meet again just like it is right now. There will be people here that, that, uh, that will not be back uh, with the same, the same group of people that's here here today and and so it's imperative that you know that we get the message across urgently and the message of salvation the message of the gospel so i want you to notice here in second corinthians chapter 6 verses 1 and 2 it says we then as workers together with him beseech you also that you receive not the grace of god in vain for he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. There are many things in the Bible that, that are comforting. I preached last Sunday night on the comfort of God. And there are also many things in the Bible that strike terror to our soul. And here's one example. Paul says, we beseech you, we beg you. That word beseech means beg, plead. We beg you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For God said, I have heard thee in a time accepted and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the day of salvation. That means right now. Right now, when you're hearing this message and you're given the opportunity, now is the time to be saved. And that, that little word from Paul of urgency or imperative command and entreaty is just typical of God's message on every page of the Bible. Now, now, now. Now is the time to get right. Now is the time to repent. Now is the time to believe. Now is the time to confess the Lord. Now is the time to be baptized. Now is the time to join God's church. Now is the time to call upon his name. Now is the time to pray. Now is the time to be saved. Now, it is now, and not tomorrow. It is an imperative now. And why? Why do you think it wonder about that? Do you wonder why God says now? Well, you turn through the Bible with me, and, and this message is an attempt to bring together some of the reasons why God says that now is the time to be saved. Now is the time. It is now. It is today. So let's begin. One reason why now is so imperative and one reason that God insists that now is the time for it to be saved 
is because that there is something for which you cannot be forgiven. And I know you hear you hear the term a lot of times, the unforgivable sin. Then the uh, uh, there's something that that you 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 can't sin that you commit, you can't be forgiven for. And I don't have the time. I've preached on that many times before, and and I think there is something. There is something that uh, that the, the Bible teaches. In fact, the Lord Jesus Himself said that uh, if you if you do this, that you cannot be forgiven. Um, some uh, you know, there's someone can can mention uh, COVID nineteen, and the whole world stops, and and boards themselves up in their homes and uh, and will not get about and and um, we hide in fear we hide in fear and and um, you know I'm not saying that's that's bad I'm just saying that's the way it is isn't it I mean that's what has happened our whole world basically has stopped because of a virus because of a bug I don't know I don't know you know a lot about this thing, and and uh, neither do the scientists and the doctors that try to tell you about. It. They don't know it either. But I know it's I know that it's a deadly germ that, and I know that, uh, you know that a lot of people have have contacted this virus. And I have I've had it, and and um, uh, frankly, with me, it was it was not that bad. I've had the flu that was worse than than the uh, COVID thing. But, um, but you know, it, it's, it's a fearful thing. It's a fearful thing. And not that, not that I know all about or that I understand it, not that I'm capable of describing it to you in every form, but I know that it, there is in this world something that Jesus said will not be forgiven. And I know one other thing about it. It has to do with the thing that you're playing with it has to do with unbelief. Unbelief. Jesus said, Whosoever speak of blasphemy or a word against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world nor in the world to come. There in Matthew chapter 12, verses 30 and 32 through 32, uh, they said about the Lord and what he was doing there, they said, they said he, he's not true. He doesn't speak the truth. He's not God's representative. They, they said he's not what he says he is. They refused him. And Jesus said to the unbelieving leaders of Israel, there, there is an unpardonable sin. It has to do with unbelief. The Bible says if any man sees his brother, uh, sees his brother sin of sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for uh, give life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. I don't know all about that sin. I just know one thing: it has to do with unbelief. It has to do with unbelief. And my brother, there may be a burden on your heart. There may be somebody praying for you, and there may be somebody inter interested in you. But my friend, there may come a time when that there is no interest in your soul. There is no burden for your heart where there's no one in this earth who agonizes before God for your salvation. I repeat, 
This should drive you to repentance. This in God's book, why now is so imperative. There's a second reason. And it's very close to the first reason. And that is God says that his spirit will not always strive with man. That's back in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3. For the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. I'll, I'll give them up. You know what happened. You look at the Bible. You go through the Bible and you find uh, corroboration of that, that very truth, that very fact throughout the word of God. God sent his prophet to the northern kingdom after the division of, of Israel. And after Hosea had preached and poured out his heart and there were, there were nobody to repent, they stayed in their evil way. God said, Ephraim, that was the northern kingdom, that was a term that's used of the northern kingdom, Ephraim is joined to idols, let him alone. Or the people of Ephraim, the, the tribe, the nation, let, they have turned to idols, let them alone. God has said, I'm through with them, I'm done. God had sent Ahijah, a prophet, to them. God had sent Micaiah to them. He had sent Elijah to them. He'd sent Elisha to them. He'd sent Amos to them. All of these prophets God had sent to them. And then last of all, God sent Hosea. And when, when they refused to repent, God said, let them alone. Let them alone. They crossed the line. They crossed the line. They've gone beyond redemption. I've sent my last prophet. And so the Assyrians came down and destroyed that race. See, God says, my spirit shall not always strive with man. That's talking about conviction. You've heard preachers say before, I've said it too. I said almost every Sunday, uh, Holy Spirit conviction, that's just simply the realization that you're lost, that you're a sinner, that if you die, you're going to hell. That's conviction. That's what it's talking about, the striving of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is striving for your soul. You have the devil and his hordes that are also striving for your soul. They want you. The devil wants you. The devil wants you to die and go to hell. But the Holy Spirit strives against that because the Holy Spirit wants you, when you die, wants you to go to heaven. Look in the life of Jesus. The Lord Jesus in the 10th chapter of Matthew, he said, and whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words, he's talking to his disciples, he was sending out. When you depart out of the house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. The Bible says it's an awful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You listen to it again. This Bible is full of this awful, this awful truth. Listen at it. Paul begins his treatise on salvation to the Romans. He begins it with the threefold castigation of the men that, that he had watched, and this was his judgment about him. He said, they, when they knew God, did not glorify God. And verse 24 of chapter 1, Romans says, God gave them up. God gave them up. God turned them over. 
look at it again. They changed the truth of God into a lie, and God gave them up. God gave them up to what they were already doing. God just said, I'm through with them. I, 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 I'm not going to tolerate this anymore with them. So God gave them over to what they were doing already. If you read anything in ancient literature that described the Romans, you'll know what Paul meant, that they turned away in, in unbelief and filth and iniquity. And God gave them up. You look a few verses, verses, uh, verses later, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them up, verse 28. If, if men persist in unbelief, if they persist in iniquity, God will just give them over. He'll give them over to that. Let them, let them go on in that. He doesn't stop them. They die in their sins. You see, you see here how important, uh, how urgent this, this is that, that uh, Paul's talking about. And, and uh, you see that in, in Romans chapter 1 here, how, how when they refused God, they, they, they would not repent of their sins. They rejected him, and God gave them up. This is one of the most fearful passages in all the Bible. They received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God sent them strong delusion. They should believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Can you imagine a thing like that? Because they had no love for the truth that they might be saved. God sent them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. All people, people say, oh, I'm all right. I'm all right, preacher. I'm all right. I'll take my chances. Uh, we, we had a man in the office just recently uh, making a statement. I'm, I'm uh, trusting in my own merit. Trusting in my own merit. You know, it, uh, I'm, I'm all right. Don't you understand that to receive or to refuse the Savior, to refuse to trust him, that, that unbelief, that's what will send you to hell? Don't you understand that? I'm all right. I'm, you know, I'm having a great time. I'm, I'm okay. I'm, everything's good. A delusion. See, they're living under a delusion. God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. They think they're all right. The Bible says that they all might be damned, that they might be lost who believe not the truth but have pleasure in unrighteousness. Do you, do you, like, do you like sin? Do you like the world? Do you like... Do you like iniquity? Do you like lust? Do you like all? Do you like all that? Listen, it should scare you to death. Sin should scare you to death. It's something you don't look at lightly. Sin, you see, sin, that sin may be the delusion that sends you to death. 
Oh, listen, it's no little thing. It's no little thing to say. It's no, it's no little thing to spurn the Lord Jesus Christ. My spirit shall not always strive with man. Why, why that urgent now? That urgent now? Well, let me give you another reason. There comes a time when you can't repent even if you want to. Preacher, I got lots of time, lots of time. I don't need to be saved today. I don't need to come to Jesus today. I don't need to settle this thing today. I can be saved anytime. I can come to Christ when I want to. I can come to him in a moment. Well, maybe, but maybe not too. You look at God's book. It takes more than just coming down an aisle to be saved. It takes more than just saying it with your mouth to be saved. It takes more than just, just coming uh, to, and being at church. It takes a regenerated heart to be saved. It takes a conviction of sin from God to be saved. No man can come unto the Father except, or, and can come unto the Lord and come to me, Jesus said, except the Father draw him. See, that's Holy Spirit conviction. You look at what God's word says. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. That's talking about the Jews when they, when they, uh, they failed to enter into the promised land. They didn't believe God. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 19 says they could not enter in because of unbelief. What's he talking about there? He's talking about, he's talking about those Hebrew children, the, uh, the, the Jews. In the 14th chapter of the book of Numbers, they came to Kadesh Barnea. God said, this is the promised land. This is the land that I have given you. Enter in, enter in. But he said, not so. There's giants over there. There, there, there's too many, too many hindrances. We can't do it. We're afraid. They refuse to enter in. God said, how long will this people provoke me and how long will they tempt me? None of them, not a one of them, except for Caleb and Joshua will enter in. They're going to wander in the wilderness until all this crowd has died off. This generation has died off before they'll before they can enter in. And so you go back there and read that in the book of Numbers about that situation when the word that word came to the people, then they then they said, Well, we, we will go in then. We'll repent, we'll go in. And God said, No, you will not. And so they said, We will anyway, and in Numbers 14, you can read it later yourself. They, they left Kadesh Barnea. They made their way into the promised land. But God didn't lead them. And God was not in that now. And so what happened? They were, they were defeated. They were defeated. They were driven back. And so they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years until all of that crowd had died off except for Caleb and Joshua who, who uh, were the only two of the Spies that had gone in that said, we can go in. We can take the land. So they, re so they then said, okay, we'll repent. We'll go in. But it was too late. It's too late. You see, you can't, you can't just repent when you want to. You can't just get saved whenever you decide that you're going to do it. 
it might be too late. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, the repentance is the gift of God. And listen, it goes on, it says, Lest there be any fornicator or a profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that after when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. That's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16 and 17. I don't know about you, but I read that, but that makes me tremble. It refers back to a story that all of you are familiar with. Esau, he was out, out hunting. He, he got hungry. He, the Bible says he was, he was unhungered. And he said, I'll trade my birthright for a mess of pottage. I'll give you my soul and my heritage for this thing out here that I cling to. And so he traded, Genesis chapter 25. He traded his birthright for a mess of pottage, that blessing. Then years passed, and he saw what he had done, and he came to his father Isaac, and the Bible says he lifted up his voice and cried with an exceeding bitter cry. He found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Years ago, when I was pastoring in Tennessee, uh, Janice and I went to the hospital to see a man. The family, uh, we were familiar with the family, and um, uh, this, this man was husband of a woman that uh, came to our church. He didn't come. Uh, he was a lost man. But they asked us to go to the hospital and to try to lead him to the Lord because he was dying. The doctor said there was no way that he was going to be able to live much longer. And so we went, and uh, back in those days, they still had the auction tents, you know, you'd put the people under those tents. And uh, so it went in, and he was under that tent, and, and so it had, it had a flap. You could unzip it and raise the flap up and talk to them, the people that win that. And so I, I introduced myself. He already knew I had, I had met him before, but I, I told him, I said, my wife and I are here, your family, very concerned about you. And, um, and they, they know that, that you are not right with God. They know that, uh, that when you die and you, the doctors have said, and you know, you have been told that you're not going to live. And so I, they wanted me to come, wanted Janice not to come and to talk to you about your soul, talk to you about being saved. So I went through the plan of salvation with him. He listened. I went through the plan of salvation. And then when I, when I had I told him that the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I said, would you do that right now? Would you do that? And he said, I can't. I can't. I said, why? He said, I don't know. I just can't. I just don't have, I don't have any desire. I just don't. I said, man, you're dying. You're dying. You may not ever have another chance. You may not live through the day. It's foolishness. To reject Christ when you know that you're going to die. And, and your own words to me were that if you die today that you'll go straight to hell. And he said, I can't. I can't. I have no desire. See, how do you explain that, preacher? I can't explain that. 
but, but he had reached a place to where he was beyond repentance. He was beyond salvation. He had crossed that line, that, that invisible line. And I don't know, I can't explain that. I don't know. Uh, only God knows. But I have seen that more than once in, in my lifetime during the years that I have been pastoring. For over 50 years, I've pastored and I've visited, and more than one person has told me that. I cannot be saved. I don't have any desire. I just, I just, I just numb. I just, I just cannot be saved. I want to tell you, it's a serious thing to reject the Lord. It's a serious thing. You don't, you don't play around with God. You don't play around with this appeal of God. You, you don't play, play around with that and get away with it. God says now, now. Persistent now. Imperative now. Now is the day of salvation. There's one other reason, and I'm calling this the contracting days of grace, and let me explain that. You, uh, you know, we know what expansion is. You know, you got something here, and it expands. That means, you know, it gets bigger, it goes further, you know, expands. You know what expansion is. Well, contraction is the opposite. It, it you know, it gets, it gets smaller, it gets less, less, less and less. The contracting days of grace. Will I, will I ever see all of you again? Will I ever see you again? I hope so, but will I? Will I ever see all of you again? Will, will you ever see me again? We don't, we don't have any assurance, do we? The Bible says, boast not thyself for tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Don't say, I'll see you tomorrow, because you don't know that. I'll do this tomorrow. I'll get saved tomorrow. You don't know that. We have no assurance. Uh, will, will you be back to hear, to hear me preach another message? Will you, ever, will you ever hear me plead with you again? Will you? We don't know. We don't know. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Uh, you... You uh, go home today after church, and you may listen to the news, and and there's a name of someone that they were in an automobile accident, and they were killed, someone you know, and just like that. It's just all over. Life is over. Every time we go to a cemetery to bury the body of someone who's died, and always when we, when we leave the cemetery and you get back, you merge back into the traffic and people are going and coming and, and, uh, and you, you, you pass stores and, and people are going about their business and, and everything. And, and, you know, if, and uh, sometimes I'll, I'll say to Janet, I'll say, you know, for, for, for the rest of the world, life's going on just like usual. But for that person back there, it's all over. It's done. There'll be no more driving. There'll be no more mixing with people. There'll be no more visiting uh, the stores. There'll be no, no more uh, fellowship with people. It's all over. For that person, it's all over. This life on earth, it's all over. 
What could happen between now and the time that that we go home today? What could happen? There was a young man and his wife when we were in Bible college, and there was a young man and his wife there that we had met. Didn't know except just that they were students there, as we were at the college, and and uh, we we had a uh, holiday or something that where we had two or three days, you know off from college from school and so this this couple they were from texas and they uh they uh, were going to go home they did go home for uh the holidays and and uh then we're going to drive back and be back in school then at the appointed time but when all when it was all over we met back there were two empty seats in the classroom and the professor said uh uh, brother so-and-so and and uh, why I don't remember the names but uh, brother and Mrs. Smith we'll just say or John Doe they were in an automobile accident on the way back to school and both of them were killed both of them were killed just like that young couple um, his ministry ahead of him looking forward to graduating and going out into the ministry pastoring a church uh, doing the work of God, but but just in a moment, in a moment, an automobile crashed into them and killed both of them. They were gone just like that, just like that. Why does God say now, now, come to him now, believe in him now, trust him now, trust him today? Why does he say that? Well, the reason because we have no assurance of another day. We have no assurance of another time, another opportunity. I think of the word of the Lord Jesus in the parable of the bridegroom and the virgins. The Bible says, while they slept, the bridegroom came, and they awakened out of their sleep and said, the, the, the uh, unwise, those that were not uh, wise virgins, that they, they woke up, so they went to the wise, and they said, give us of your oil, and that oil is a symbol, a, a, a symbol uh, of the Holy Spirit. And so they said, give us of your oil for our lamps have gone out. We're not ready. And the wise said, no, we, we can't do that. We can't, we can't be saved for you. Salvation is not transferable. Moms and dads, salvation cannot even be transferred to your children. They have to be saved themselves. Salvation is an individual, personal thing. It cannot be transferred. And so they, they came to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward, these other, the other virgins came, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I unto you, I know you not. I know you not. Jesus could have replied, Why well, I sent I, I sent my preacher to you, and he pled with you and and I never, I never saw you. I never heard you, you know, repent. I never, uh, I never saw any, any uh, indication or heard anything. You never called upon me and asked me to save you. I knocked at your heart's door and asked you to give your faith and love and heart and soul to me, uh, but I never did get any response. I never got any response from you. There was never any call upon me. 
I don't, I don't know you. I don't know you. And the Bible concludes there, Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. I repeat, God says it's now. It's now because of the contracting days of grace. How, how they speed away. We were talking before Sunday school this morning about how fast time passes, especially as you get older. You know, uh, when you're in school, you young people know this, time drags, doesn't it? Seems like summertime will never come. And, and man, I can't wait till I'm 16 years old. And, and then I can't wait until I graduate from high school. And then once you have graduated from high school, man, you know, the time begins to just fly by. And, you know, I can't believe that I'm years old. <laughs> I can't believe that. At the uh, wedding uh, Friday night, <clears throat> there was a man there that he came up. He said, uh, he said, you know, it was 20 years ago that I saw you the last time. He said, we were here. They now live in Atlanta, Georgia. He said, 20 years ago, I saw you. And he said, you don't look a day older. And I said, well, you know, the Lord will forgive you for lying. But I, I didn't say that. I just, I said, uh, well, you know, I, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. But, uh, but he said, you know, it seems like just yesterday. I said, I know, I, know, I know how you feel. I know what you're talking about. It just seems like so long or, or, or such a short time. I, you know, I, I can't, this past January, I would have been, pastoring here for 37 years, 37 years here. I put up with you for 37 years. <laughs> and you put up with me for 37 years, right? Some of you may not quite that long. But listen, if you're, if you're ever going to be saved, it's the time right now. This is the time. If you're ever going to be a Christian, Now's the time. If you're ever going to repent, now's the time. I don't know what tomorrow brings. I don't know. It's in the hands of God. But for, for once and for all, it's time for you to come to the Lord and say, Lord, this, this is my day. This is my time. And I'm coming to you today to be saved. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and Lord, save my soul. I'm coming now. You may never have another opportunity. Even if you do not die, you may, you may, there may be that time when that'll be the last time that you'll say no to the Savior because then there'll be no feeling, being past feeling. Ephesians talks about being past feeling and too late. Have you been thinking about being saved? Been thinking about that? You've been thinking about that for days, weeks, maybe months, maybe even years, been thinking about it? And and even if you haven't been thinking about it, don't put it off any longer. Don't put it off any longer. Don't come now. Whatever's in your heart, respond to, to God's Spirit. In a few moments, the, our song leaders are going to come and we're going to sing a verse of invitation, just as I am. Without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. And I'm going to ask you this morning to respond to that plea, to that, 
to that and to the invitation to come to the Lord just as I am without waiting further I'm coming now while we sing it while we're singing that song just as I am would you come would you stand please with your heads bowed